0: Have you got a chauffeur? What kind of a car have you got? Oh, I don't got a car. I just got a chauffeur. Well, maybe I'm crazy, but when you have a chauffeur, aren't you supposed to have a car? Well, I had one. But you see, it costs too much money to keep a car on the chauffeur, so I sold the car. Well, that shows you how little I know. I would have kept the car and sold the chauffeur. That's no good. I got to have a chauffeur to take me to work in the morning. Well, if you've got no car, how can he take you to work? He don't have to take me to work. I no got a job.
1: It's the Marx Brothers Council Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This is Bob Gasell and I think we have a good one for you today. But before I'm proven wrong, let's meet the rest of the crew. First, joining us from Washington Heights. He's currently starring in 400 hooker uh, Years in Manhattan, <laughs> and is the only man ever banned from the M&M store. Here's Noah Diamond.
2: Thank you, Bob. I might have known you'd bring that up.
1: Also joining us is an accomplished author, husband, and Facebook group administrator. Who is best known for mistaking
3: Kenny Baker for a plate of soggy onion rings? Let's welcome Matthew Conium. <laughs> Hello, I am Matthew Conium, and I like to hear the little bell ring. <laughs> so,
1: guys, before we <laughs> proceed, uh, I thought maybe we try something new here. Uh, maybe this will become a regular thing. You know, we're always uh, discussing the Marxes, uh, talking about them on the Facebook page, uh, thinking about them in the shower. <laughs> and I thought, it would, I thought it would be cool if we. Uh, I'll discuss the latest revelation or discovery we've come across since the last time we spoke. So why don't we go around the table? Uh, Matthew, we'll start with you.
3: I um, had an interesting conversation with a listener to this podcast whose name is Pablo Manzano. And he emailed to me something which I'm ashamed to admit I'd not seen before, which was the shooting script of Horse Feathers. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting stuff. As as you would imagine, there are lots of jokes and bits and pieces there that didn't make it into the, the finished film. The character of Peggy, um, Zeppo's girlfriend, is, is more prominent. Um, But three interesting things that that struck me in particular, the obviously the uh, the burning building uh, finale is there in in all its glory. And the very, very end Mm -hmm. of the film uh, has this uh, description. Harpo chases girl into burning building, followed by Chico and Groucho. They all emerge from the other side of building in blackface so uh, that's uh, that's <laughs> one bullet we dodged um a, a, a big surprise um a very unusual joke in the the opening scene when uh, zeppo and groucho first converse uh, zeppo was to have said dad let me congratulate you you did that with gusto to which groucho was going to reply gusto harpo chico that must be a fifth marks brother very strange line. Um, but yeah. best of all, uh, best of all, the script confirms that I am right. Uh, and that football player is called McCarthy. So all, all you advocates for McCarthy or McCarthy, in your face. <laughs> but no clue about the ironing scene? No ironing scene. Sadly no. not. No, no. No ironing scene.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> you know, that uh, Gusto joke is a little reminiscent of something that I think, was in the stage version of Coconuts, oh. um, where there's a reference to the Marx Brothers being Spaniards.
3: Oh, yes, um, but it, yes. It,
2: but it actually, um, you know, the line called for Groucho to mention the Marx
1: Brothers by name mm-hmm. in the show. So, no. What, what do you got for us?
2: Well, I, you know, I have been racking my brain to come up with a, a real revelation about the Marx Brothers themselves that has come to me um, in the month since we recorded our last episode. Um, I do have a couple of things that are specific to the why a duck scene <laughs> that I might save for when we discuss it. But if you'll forgive me for being right. coy, I did recently, <laughs> as you pointed out in your intro, Bob, um, I've been for the last several weeks and months Involved in a big theater project that is not a Marx Brothers project, um, although it does have a, an occasional moment of Marxism in it. And while working on this, I, it's, uh, it's expanded my view of what can be done with the Marx Brothers in the theater. Mm. And, um, I hope to have more to say about this in the not too distant future, but, oh. mm. um, I, I think I have some new ideas about Marx Brothers projects mm. to come.
1: Well, that's going to put my revelation to shame. <laughs> well, this whole this whole section came up by just uh, within the last hour or so, we uh, came across a posting on our Facebook group where Scott Alexander uh, points out uh, that he he's during uh, uh, one of the stills for Night in Casablanca that it looks like Carpo is wearing uh, an actual wig, and though it's not certain, it sure looks a lot more like a wig than many of the other shots that we've seen of him. And, you know, uh, thinking about it and start poking around the internet, looking at other stills, I get the impression that maybe Harpo did throw on a wig for some of the, uh, photo sessions. And it was a less extensive wig that would match the less extensive, uh, puff of, puff of hair that he was using during the film. So it, it does match somewhat in that it's not real long and covering his ears, but, uh, I think we may,
3: maybe on to something or
1: ah. it might just be a big pile of nothing like, uh, most of what Scott posts,
3: <laughs> well, yeah, it certainly looks like that, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's interesting because I um not not part of nothing, no. It looks like it is um, a more traditional wig. It's odd because I always thought that you know still sessions were done right after they'd finished shooting the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it's possible that he might have might have gone off, had that weird fluffy piece, you know, unpinned, and then and then mm-hmm. went back for the stills in a in a more in a more easy to slip on one, possibly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so this, this is a subject for further investigation for people mm. with nothing else to do in their lives.
3: Okay, so.
2: <laughs> was it uh, Vico Savanto who was recently- Arrested? Um, oh, oh. Suggesting that- uh, <laughs> 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 No, he was saying recently that uh, he always assumed Groucho was wearing a toupee in coconuts and animal crackers. Mm which had never occurred to me and I, I looking at the footage recently i have to say i don't see it but um it's possible if if that's the case then i don't trust any hair in any of the movies
3: <laughs> yes i mean it's certainly very thin isn't it particularly in coconuts where it's uh it's parted in the middle and scraped down and it, it looks like my hair yeah so yeah <laughs> i didn't want to be the one to say it but yeah
1: <laughs> all right so let's forge ahead. uh so this month we're going to in- take it somewhat easy and only look at uh, half of the Marx Brothers. Um, at first we kicked around discussing Harpo and Zeppo, but figured that wouldn't make much of a show. So we finally hit on Groucho and Chico, and we'll focus on them and how they work as sort of a, a team within the team. Um, On a few occasions, Groucho and Chico did attempt to forge a radio career as a self-contained team, and while none of those series was a huge success, they did provide some great material, including some that was recycled for their films, especially uh, Duck Soup. We'll dive into their radio career much more in a future episode. So today we're going to focus on the Groucho Chico movie scenes and do what we do best, uh, Ring all the humor out of them by dissecting them to death. So. <laughs> but don't despair. We're also going to play the scenes for you. So you're guaranteed at least a little bit of entertainment today. So to get us started, Noah, why don't we go to you and maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, the, the background of how Groucho and Chico came to be a team within the team. It is
2: one of those things that I think
1: is properly
2: credited to George S. Kaufman. Um, when he wrote coconuts, um, I, I'm on record a lot of, um, taking credit away from Kaufman, um, things that have been often uh, talked about as though they happened for the first time in coconuts and animal crackers. Um, and there's my book saying, well, no, that was in I'll mm-hmm. say she is too. Um, or even before I'll say she is. Um, but in this case, not just the Groucho Chico duologues, but the idea that the Marx brothers can be broken up into several kind of sub comedy Mm -hmm. teams. Um, and that starting with coconuts, that is what most of the content is. You don't often get all four or all three brothers, uh, together functioning Mm -hmm. as a unit. We talk about monkey business being so exceptional because it does that. Um, and I think that is largely Kaufman's innovation, make building comedy scenes around Harpo and Chico as a, as a duo, uh, Groucho and Chico as a duo, Groucho and Margaret Dumont, mm. um, and as we know, rarely... Uh, oh, and and Groucho mm. and Zeppo. And now some of that does go back to before Kaufman. In Home Again, in Vaudeville, Harpo and Chico, you know, arrive together and are kind of a unit. And Gummo played Groucho's son, which is a suggestion of what happens to Zeppo in Horse Feathers. Um, so you did have this kind of two um, two duos Approach to the casting. Um, and yet, the idea that you'd have a whole comedy routine built around only two of the brothers, um, I think that becomes uh, codified only with Coconuts. In the original, I'll say she is the closest we ever get to a Groucho Chico scene is the courtroom scene, um, which has some of the characteristics of the Groucho Chico encounters in the movies. But it can't really be said to be one of them because I think one of the things that distinguishes these scenes is Groucho and Chico are the only two important characters in them. Um, you might have a line from the, you know, the guy behind the, in the windows in, at the racetrack mm-hmm. or something, but basically they're the only two characters and that can't be said for the courtroom scene. Uh, so it is, it is almost a convention that begins with the movies in that it begins with coconuts.
1: So why don't we dive into these and, uh, we're going to go through them pretty much, pretty much all the films that we could find, uh, uh a representative Groucho Chico scene. And at the end, we'll, we'll give our rankings and tell you what our favorite ones are. So we're going to start with coconuts. And before
3: we play the scene, uh, Matthew, why don't you give a little
1: synopsis? Tell us where we are in the story. What's going on to set it up?
3: yes okay um by this point um hamlet now knows for certain that his father <laughs> has been murdered by his uncle <laughs> and so he's hiding no, hang on wrong play no um there's going to be an auction isn't there groucho is a is a crooked seller of of land in the florida land boom and there's going to be a big auction uh and he's he's uh he wants to hire chico to uh to get the auction uh uh, moving by, by bidding up, getting everybody else to uh, to bid up. And he's, he's for some reason, I don't know why, why is he showing him a plan of the, why is he showing him a map? I don't even remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's one of my big issues with this, is that Groucho goes into a lot more detail than he <laughs> needs to. And when he knows that Chico is not going to understand it.
0: <laughs> Come over here, I want to see you. Now listen to me, I'm not going to have that redheaded fella running around in the lobby. If you want to keep him up in your room, you'll have to keep him in a trap. You can't catch him. Who is he? That's my partner, but he knows speak. Oh, that's your silent partner. Well, anyhow, you wired me about some property. I've thought it over. Now, I can let you have three lots watering the front, or I can let you have three lots uh, fronting the water. Now, uh, these lots cost me $9,000, and I'm going to let you have them for 15 because yes, I like you. I don't buy nothing. But? I know got no money. You got to know money? I know, got a one cent. How are you going to pay for your room? That's your lookout. Oh, you're just an idle rumor. Well, you see, we've come here to make money i read the paper and it'll say big boom in Clarida. so we come. We're a couple of big booms, too. Well, I'll show you how you can make some real money. I'm going to hold an auction in a little while on Coconut Manor. Uh, you, know, you know what an auction is, eh? Yeah, I come from Italy on the Atlantic auction. Well, uh, let's go ahead as if nothing happened. I say I'm holding an auction at Coconut Manor, and when the crowd gathers around, I want you to mingle with them. Don't pick their pockets, just mingle with them. I'll and... find time for both. Well, maybe we can cut out the auction. Here's what I mean. If somebody says $100, you say two somebody says two, you say three. It's off. That's right. Now, if nobody says anything, then you start it off. Yeah, how am I going to know when they don't say nothing? Well, they'll probably notify you. You fool, if they don't say anything, you'll hear them, won't you? Well, maybe I'm not listen. Well, don't tell them. Now then, uh, if we're successful in disposing these lots, I'll see that you get a nice commission. And uh, how about someone money? Well, you can have your choice. Now, uh, in arranging these lots, of course, we use blueprints. You you know what a blueprint is, huh? Yeah, it's oysters. How is it you never got double pneumonia? I go around by myself. You know what a lot is? Yeah, it's too much. I, I don't mean a whole lot, just a little lot with nothing on it. Anytime you got a too much, you got a whole lot. Look, i explain it for you. Sometimes you don't got enough, it's too much, you got a whole lot. Sometimes you got a little bit. You don't think it's enough. Somebody else maybe think it's too much, it's a whole lot too. Now, it's a whole lot, it's a too much, it's too much, it's a whole lot, the same thing. The next time I see you, remind me not to talk to you, will you? All right, maybe Come I'll... Come over here, to... Rand McNally, and I'll explain this thing to you. Now, look, this is a map and diagram of, of the whole coconut section. This whole area is within a radius of approximately uh, three-quarters of a mile. Radius. Is there a remote possibility that you know what radius means? It's a WJZ. Well, I walk right into that one. It's gonna be a cinch explaining the rest of this thing to you. I can see that. I catch on quick. That's a rodeo you're thinking of. Look, Einstein, here's coconut matter. No matter what you say, this is coconut matter. Here's Coconut Manor, here's Coconut Height, that's the swamp, and uh, right over here where the the road forks, that's Coconut Junction. Where do you got Coconut Custard? That's on one of the forks. You probably eat with your knife, so you won't have to worry about that. Now, uh, here is the main road leading out of Coconut Manor. That's the road I wish you were on. Now, over here, on this side, we're going to build an eye and ear hospital. This is going to be a site for sore eyes. You understand? That's fine. Now, right over here, this is the residential section. Oh, the people live there. huh? No, that's the stockyards. Now, all along here, this is the riverfront, and all along the river, all along the river, those are all levees. That's the Jewish neighborhood. Well, we'll pass over that. You're a peach, boy. Now, here is a little peninsula, and uh, here is a viaduct leading over to the mainland. Viaduct. I'm all right. How are you? I say here is a little peninsula, and here is a viaduct leading over to the mainland. All right, viaduct. I'm not playing ask me another. I say that's a viaduct. All right, viaduct. It's what. Why a duck? Why no chicken? Well, I don't know why no chicken. I'm a stranger here myself. All I know is that it's a viaduct. You try to cross over there in a chicken, and you'll find out viaduct. I know for some place. It's it's deep water. That's viaduct. It's deep water. That's viaduct. Look, look, Ruby. Suppose you were out horseback riding and you came to that stream and you wanted to ford over. You couldn't make it. it. It's too deep. Well, why do you want to with ford if you got a horse? Well, I'm sorry the matter ever came up. All I know is that it's a viaduct. Well, look, all right. I catch on the wire horse, so why a chicken, why this, why that? I don't catch on the wire dock. Well, I was only fooling. I was, I was only fooling. They're going to build a tunnel there in the morning. Now, is that clear to you? Yes, everything except the wire dock. Well, that's fine. Then we can go ahead with this thing. Now, look. I'm going to take you down and show you our cemetery. I've got a waiting list of 50 people at that cemetery just dying to get in. But I like you. Yeah, you're my friend. I like you, and I'm going to shove you in ahead of all of them. I know you like. I'm going to see that you get a steady position. That's good. Order. And if I can arrange it, it'll be horizontal. that's yes, it. Now, remember, when the auction starts, if somebody says $100, I say $200. That's grand. Now, if somebody says $200, I say $300. That's great. Now, you know how to get down there? No, I just train Now, look. Now, look you go down there, down that narrow path there, until you come to the that little jungle there. You see it, it's where things. those thatch palms are. It's and then there's a little clearing there, a little clearing with a wire fence around it. With that, you see that wire fence there. All right, the wire fence. Oh no, we're not going to go all through that again. Thank you come the, along the, with me, yeah. you know?
1: and they walk off screen as if the camera wasn't allowed to follow them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's great that Gracia says, uh, calls him, nearly calls him Rivelli twice. <laughs> Hadn't really yes. struck me before the air. Yeah. He actually does that twice and it's all all gets left in. It's lovely.
1: I wonder, I wonder how many times Groucho would have had to have made the mistake uh, before Flory yelled cut five, seven, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting about this, and I think about this whenever I watch the one from Animal Crackers and here is that these were really written to be performed in front of a live audience and mm. they were used to the rhythms of doing it in front of a live audience, but here they're doing it in complete silence, like a you know, you compare it to, uh, just for example, for the, with the who's on first scene that Abbott Costello did, there's many, many recordings of them performing it on radio in front of a live audience and it really comes to life. And then there is the one time where they did it in the film where it's basically not, it's just, it's it just sort of, it's sort of dry when it doesn't have the energy of the live audience. And I think, you know, I really, as great as the scene is, I really think it would have been wonderful to hear it with an audience.
3: Yes, I mean there is a there is a tiny bit of an audience there. You can you can hear the crew. Um so they they're not actually playing to to literal silence, but but yes, they're not. It's certainly not to a to a, a packed house. It's true.
2: I mean, I agree with that observation about it. And yet, my revelation about it, concentrating on the scene in preparation for this conversation, is how naturalistic the acting is in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um it, particularly on Chico's part. Uh, I mean, I think the performances in Coconuts tend to be slightly more subdued than they are in in the films from Animal Crackers forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet Chico, uh, he does seem to be doing something different here. His um, characterization seems far more casual. He's playing dumb in a more sweet and honest kind of way than, than he did later. And all of his little um, sort of quasi-ad-libbed interjections are so funny when Crouch is saying, I like you, you know, and I'm going to get you in ahead of him. And he's kind of – Chico's modestly laughing. Oh, I know, I know you like me, you know. Mm. If there's a sweetness to him here. Um, not that there isn't later, but mm. – um, and it seems almost off the cuff. And yet, as you point out, Bob, this is a scene they had done, you know, thousands of
3: times. And it's interesting too, isn't it, that the the, the, the natural – pauses are there all, all all those things that when we get to um tonight at the opera th- things that are kind of imposed in the in the editing because, presumably because yeah. they've done it on stage, it's it's just it's there. It flows. It's very natural. There are gaps. There are pauses. And there are little bits of dialogue that don't matter. So so you know they're they're already onto that. You know it's another it's another big MGM innovation that that they didn't really need. I think, particularly because they toured that scene. Um, they, they they've just got they've got it right. That that the correct rhythm for for an audience. But yes, I mean it's it, it is interesting. I, I was glad to hear what you said actually Noah, because it does feel like the prototype scene um -hmm. i think i would be slightly disappointed if that was just the third or the second or the fifth thing like that they did it it, it's it's got everything in place to be to be the first one of those
2: yeah and you know not only that it it was developed in rehearsal you know it's missing from the early stage scripts yes uh although the door is kind of wide open for it there's some talk about uh the blueprints, I think. But um, yeah, the scene apparently abetted by Kaufman, you know, was developed in rehearsal. So Groucho and Chico had some ownership of it. And yeah, I guess the whole idea of the Groucho Chico encounter happened sort of by accident.
1: There's a misunderstanding going on here, but it's not because Chico is dumb. And unlike some of the later scenes, it's not like Chico is trying to put something over on Groucho or trying to, trying to, sidetrack him in any way it's just a misunderstanding and it comes very naturally and there's a a nice rhythm that they get into where groucho feeds chico a line and chico does a funny line and groucho does a, a punch line on top of chico's line and then after that gives him another straight line yeah so, mm. you know so groucho is being a comic and a straight man at the same time
2: that's really true. Yeah, that's what he, he becomes in these Chico scenes. And it's- well, in
1: the best ones, L- later later on it becomes a lot less nuanced. And it's a straight man punchline, straight man punchline. Here, it's, they go back and forth. And Groucho tends to
2: have lines about how pained he is by Chico's <laughs> side of the conversation. Which <laughs> yes. is a kind of sentiment Groucho never <laughs> expresses with anyone else, but it
3: works here. And he does it with such heavy fatalism doesn't he there's in in, in all these early ones he he just gets very depressed very quickly and i love the line um coming up in in the auction when when chico the the very first time chico shows that he's misunderstood and he's just going to graduate says well the auction is practically over and it's right at the start of the scene that line um yeah it's it's great and also, they're not afraid to ramble. It's, it's
2: like, who are you, Groucho, to be exasperated yes, by the troublemakers? Yeah. You know?
3: <laughs> <laughs> they're not afraid to ramble as well. The later ones, the MGM ones, are very, very tightly scripted. And it's, you know, it's line joke, line joke, line joke. Here, it's very conversational. Um, it doesn't matter how much film is being eaten up. You know, they're just they're just enjoying it. I love
1: the Levy's Jewish line. I don't know how many more films they could have gotten away with that, but they got away with it here. (laughs) I'm glad it got left in.
2: Uh, What do you guys think about watering the front and fronting the water? That is kind of uh, backwards, isn't it?
3: It is, yes, but I prefer it that way. I I think it's, uh, (laughs) you know, I think because it makes it sound like he, he thinks both you know both make sense rather than it's just a you know it's just a joke about about
2: i love the uh, sight for sore eyes if i had to isolate one line uh as a favorite in this scene the eye and ear hospital being a sight for sore eyes that's just delicious
3: i like um that's the road i wish you were on because it's, it's so gratuitously <laughs> nasty <laughs> he, you know he has no reason to yes.
1: <laughs> and chico god bless him is never insulted not in the least uh. Not at Paramount, not at MGM, never. Uh, that's one thing that stays consistent. You know, when I was a
2: child, I had uh, Gene shallot's uh, Anthology of Humor. And a lot of what's in that book are dialogues. And my siblings and I used to read those out loud. And um, those were my early uh, comp- classic comedy performances. And we used to read out loud from that book this why a duck scene, also the contract scene from A Night at the Opera, Mm -hmm. and also Who's on First, which you mentioned, Bob. And I think right away at that early age, the difference between the Marx Brothers and the rest of comedy was so clear from that comparison. Who's on First, of course, is ingenious and wonderful and in performance. It can be just an absolute barn burner. But it was clear that... In the context in Who's On First, of course, Bud Abbott could just decide to convey this information another way and make it less confusing for Costello and and the whole routine could be over in ten seconds. But with the Marx brothers, there's no <laughs> there's nothing that can be said to clarify this for Chico in a, <laughs> in an easy way. Like there's no way out of this. This is fate, as you put it, Matthew. This is destiny. They have to have this conversation.
1: What's also particularly nice about this scene is that it's not totally extraneous. it sets up the next scene. Gracho does have something at stake here, but he doesn't seem particularly vested he's more interested in having fun with Chico going through the nonsense he's particularly concerned that Chico might misunderstand what's going on, but it's good that, like i said it's good that it has a context
3: just as a side issue um yeah. uh, to to keep John teftella happy i just uh, it struck me today watching it watching this in uh in high definition, um, yeah. two things that I hadn't noticed before: one is that uh, Chico is wearing a dirty hat and has got a dirty mm. lapel, a big uh, mm. dusty smudge on both. But also, um, what what it becomes very very clear uh, looking at a, a cleaned up version is that is that Groucho is not the only one with painted eyebrows here, is he?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Chico was very heavily made up. Yeah. Coconut
3: with, with
2: very a big yeah, and dark, the wig is a little yeah. more delightful too.
1: Remember that costume was one that was developed for the stage version of Animal Crackers it wasn't really developed for the for the film so he might have just put on his stage makeup to do it for the film
2: Yeah that's a good point yeah this look was fairly new for Chico at the time
1: mm-hmm. Okay why don't we move on to Animal Crackers where we actually have two classic Groucho Chico scenes uh one early in the film and one very late uh let's play the first one which is one of the most iconic
0: Hey, I used to know a fellow looked exactly like you by the name of uh, Emmanuel Ravelli. Are you his brother? I'm Emmanuel Ravelli. You're Emmanuel Ravelli? I'm Emmanuel Ravelli. Well, no wonder you look like him. But I still insist there is a resemblance. (laughs) He thinks I look alike. Well, if you do, it's a tough break for both of you. You are one of the musicians, but you were not due until tomorrow. Couldn't come tomorrow. That's too quick. Say, you're lucky they didn't come yesterday. We were busy yesterday, but we charged just the same. This is better than exploring. What do you fellas get an hour? Oh, for playing, we get $10 an hour. I see. What do you get for not playing? $12 an hour. Well, clip me off a piece of that. Now, for rehoisting, we make special rate. That's $15 an hour. That's for rehearsing. That's for rehearsing. And what do you get for not rehearsing? You couldn't afford it. <laughs> you see, if we don't so we don't play. And if we don't play, that runs into money. How much would you want to run into an open manhole? Just the cover charge. <laughs> yeah, put well, I'll drop in sometime. Sewer. Well, we cleaned that up pretty well. Well, let's see how we stand. Flat footed. Yesterday we didn't come. You remember yesterday we didn't oh, come. I remember. Yeah, that's $300. Yesterday you didn't come, that's $300. Yeah, that's $300. Well, that's reasonable. I can see that all right. Now, today we did come. That's, uh... That's 100 you owe us. Hey, I bet I'm going to lose on the deal. Tomorrow we leave. That's worth about a million dollars. Yeah, that's all right for me, but I got a partner. What?
1: It's amazing how all the extras keep a straight face in the background there. They don't crack a smile or anything.
2: (laughs) Until Chico says he has a partner, at which point everyone reacts as though that is an astonishing (laughs) revelation.
1: Although Maggie does smile a couple times there, you know, so she's enjoying it.
2: Yeah, she's in a good mood in Animal Crackers. She just doesn't know why. (laughs)
1: Now, this one really, really is quite different than what we heard before, because here Chico is actually the aggressor trying to get away with something, is very clever. You know, he really seems to be ahead of Grouch on this one instead of being on a different wavelength.
2: Yeah. Uh, And there's also a sort of self-conscious effort on both of their parts to top the other. They Mm -hmm. seem very aware of being comedians in this moment and just trying to top each other with jokes. The whole back and forth with, you know, the cover charge and sewer Mm and You know, it's just the way friends hang out and try to make each other laugh. Mm. Uh, There's something very sweet about that. I I also love, as you you point out with Wyatt Duck, you know, Groucho is both Chico's straight man and a comedian in his own right in Mm. in these scenes. And, you know, when Groucho says, you know, what do you get for not rehearsing? Mm. That's already funny. It doesn't actually require a response. But Chico's response, a, a larger sum than he gets for playing, just makes it more funny.
3: Also, I think it's the perfect marriage of, of material and Chico's delivery. I think they're, they're both um, – it, it's like it's like two parallel tracks. Um, obviously, the, what he's saying is funny. If we don't rehearse, uh, we don't play. And if we don't play, that runs into money is a very funny idea. But, it, but it, you know, if we don't know a hoist, you know, it's just – his delivery, I think, is absolutely as good as it gets here, um, and his dialect, although obviously not authentic, is at its funniest here. Yeah, yep.
2: Yes, and his absolutely perfect timing. Yes. Uh, I am Emmanuel Ravelli. The way he introduces mm. himself repeatedly, it's just, it's just beautiful.
1: And like the YA duck scene, uh, this was also perfected in front of a live audience, so I'm sure they were used to playing off the moans and groans that would accompany the manhole and sewer stuff.
2: Yeah, that's what Dumont is doing with her little smile, right? She's filling the space for the laugh, sort of ethereally grinning from Groucho to Chico and rolling her eyes heavenward.
3: Actually, I think that's one of the things I most miss from uh, from never having seen them from never having seen them live. There are enough indications in the films where, and, and on some occasions, Groucho even has has lines like, you know, uh, not all the jokes can be good. Uh, um, he, he must have done that to the audience constantly i my guess is that was a constant feature of them live is groucho uh, uh talking to the audience about the joke you've just heard yes um it's always so funny i just i just wish there was more of it and, I, and i'll bet there was on stage
1: this is one of those scenes that just sounds so natural that people think they're making it up on the spot when it's just brilliant performances
3: well the, all, their films were entirely improvised didn't you know that <laughs> do, do you not know anything <laughs> Yeah,
1: the improvisation on that uh, train and go west, <laughs> Remarkable yeah. how they thought it.
2: <laughs> yes, they had to actually make the train continue to run yeah, by feeding it to
1: itself. <laughs> so why don't we move on to the uh, the big encounter in, in Emma Crackers. Unlike uh, the other ones, this one takes place rather late in the film. And uh, well, why don't we just go ahead and play it? Uh, Matthew, why don't you set this one
3: up before we play Uh, because i can't remember what it's what is it oh oh, i know yes of course (laughs) yes a famous oil painting has been stolen and uh there are some some fake ones floating about as well one of which has been clearly painted by a left-handed artist uh because of the positioning of the signature so uh, groucho and chico settle down to decide how they're going to solve this crime
0: now we've got something. What do you got, Cap? I got Jackson Aces. What do you got? That's good. I was bluffing. Look at this, Ravelli. Isn't there something that strikes you very funny about this picture? <laughs> oh, come, come. It isn't as funny as all that. Did you ever see a tree like that? Tree? That's a spinach. That can't be spinach. Where's the egg? Well, it could be spinach. Look all the sand laying around there. You mean it's an old spinach custom? No, it's not that, Ravelli. Anything well, but that. No, Cap. That's all right. It's my mistake. You know what that is? That's coleslaw. Coleslaw? Yeah, it's a coleslaw. Did you ever see a coleslaw like that? Sure. Look at this one. Now, I don't want any of your lip now. Did you ever see anything like that? Did you ever see anything like that? You know what this is? This is a left-handed painting. Now, look, there's a signature. That's right. It's in the right-hand corner. That's right. This is either a left-handed painting or a vegetable dinner. Now, if we can find a left-handed the left-handed person that painted this, we'll have the trial of Mary Dugan with sound. Well, I saw that. Goodbye. Now, uh, you wait here. I'm gonna need you. Now, look. We mustn't lose this. This is evidence. Now take it to your room and leave the door open. This time, we try that. And uh, not a word about this to anybody. Not even to me. Ravelli, we've got to find the left-handed painting. Yeah, the left-handed. Painting. Now, in a case like this, the first thing to do is to find the motive. You gotta get. A now, move. what could have been the motive of the guys that swiped the bogart? I got it. Robbery. Would you mind going out and crossing the boulevard when the lights are against you? See, Cap. Sit down. You understand, I got an idea how to find this painting. In a case like this, that's so mysterious, you gotta get at the clues. You gotta use it the Sherlock Holmes method. Now you go about them like this. You say to yourself, well, what happened? And the answer come back, something was stolen. Then you say to yourself, what was stolen? And the answer come back, a painting. What are you, a ventriloquist? Now you say to yourself, where was this painting stolen? And the answer come back, in this house. Now, so far, I'm right, eh? Well, it's pretty hard to be wrong if you keep answering yourself all the time. Now you go a little further and you say to yourself, who stole the painting? This is a very, very important question, Captain. You get to the answer, you got the solution to the whole thing. Especially if you find the picture. Now you take all of the clues. You put them together. What do you got, eh? A bread pudding. Now, here's what we got. Something was stolen. Stolen where? Into this house. Stolen by who? Somebody in the house. Now, to find the painting, all you gotta do is go to everybody in the house... and ask them if they took it. You know, I could rent you out as a decoy for duck hunters. You say you're gonna to go to everybody in the house and ask them if they took the painting. Suppose nobody in the house took the painting. Go to the house next door. That's great. Suppose there isn't any house next door. Well, then, of course, we gotta build one. Well, now you're talking. What kind of a house do you think we ought to put up, huh? Eh? <laughs> Yeah, well, I tell you, Cap, you see, my idea of a house is something nice and small and comfortable. That's the way I feel about it. I don't want anything elaborate. Just a little place that I can call home and tell the wife I won't be there for dinner. I see. You just want a telephone booth. No, in that case, I'd get in touch with Chick Sales. Now, what do you say, uh, what do you say, Cap, we build right about here? Here? Yeah, right about here. Oh, uh, I'd like something over here if I could get it. I don't like Junior crossing the tracks on his way to the reform school. I don't like Junior at all, as a matter of fact. All right, all right. We got something over there. And believe me, that's a convenient Oh, That's a very convenient. Well, look, all you got to do is open the door, step outside, and there you are. There you are? Yeah. There you are where? Outside. Well, suppose you want to get back in again. You had no right to go out. Well, don't do anything until I hear from you, will you? Say, maybe that's the painting down in the cellar. (laughs) That's an old cellar. That's the roof. That's the roof down there? Yeah, you see, we keep it the roof in the basement so when the rain comes, the chimney don't get wet. Well, uh, I'm going out and get x-rayed. I'll be back in a little while. I may be wonderful, but I think you're wrong, Rebelli. Hey, wait. Don't get them excited. Come here. Now, look. Here's the rooms. Those are the rooms? Yeah, right there's the rooms. This is your room, this is my room, and this is the maid's room. Oh, I'd have to go through your room? ha, ha, ha. Ah, that's all right. I won't be in it. Say, Ravelli, you—you uh, couldn't put the maid in your room, eh? What makes you think I couldn't? Well, there's going to be a lot of traffic in there. I can see that. Well, what do you say? You ready to sign the lease? Well, it's a little premature. I'd like to discuss it with my husband. Could you come back this evening when he's home? Hey, you married? Well, I've got a girl as big as you are. All right, get me one. Don't get vulgar, Ravelli. Ravelli, how about the painting? We take care of that, all right. Now, i tell you what my idea is. I think the kitchen should be white, outside the green, inside a cerise with the maroon... The painting, I say. How about the painting, Ravelli? All right, what do you think I talk? That's the painting, the kitchen, white, outside the green, inside a cerise... The painting, the painting that was stolen. Stolen? Don't you remember Mrs. Rittenhouse lost a valuable Bogart oil painting worth $100,000? Don't you remember that? No, I'm a stranger around here. I don't remember that. Well, what do you think I am, one of the early settlers? Ravelli, don't you remember Mrs. Bogart lost a valuable Rittenhouse oil painting worth $100,000? Don't you remember that? No, but I've seen you someplace before. Well, I don't know where I was, but I'll stay out of there in the future. Hey, Cap, it come to me like a flash. This painting wasn't stolen. You know what happened? This painting, Cap, is a disappear. disappear. And yes, it disappear. And you know what make it disappear? You'll never guess, Cap. What do you think of making this painting disappear, eh? Moths. Moths eat it. Left-handed moths. Go away. Go away. I'll be all right in a minute. Left-handed Morts ate the painting, eh? Yeah, that's my own solution. I wish you were in it. Left-handed moths ate the painting. You know, I'd buy you a parachute if I thought I wouldn't open. <laughs> hey, I got parachutes. <laughs> Come on, let's get down and get the reward. We solved it. You solved it. The credit is all yours. Yeah. The painting was eaten by a left-handed morse. Hey, you know, we did a good day's work. How do you feel, tired? Well, Maybe it. you ought to lie down for a couple of years, yeah. eh? Why it. don't you just lie down until rigor sets in? It's not Come it's not up, it, really. I'll show you how we get the painting. Yeah. We'll go to court and we'll get out of rid of habeas corpus. You're going to get rid of what? Oh, I should never have started that way. I can see that. I say, I say we'll go to court and we'll get out a rid of habeas corpus. Yeah, it's a corpus, it's a corpus. Didn't you ever see a habeas corpus? No, but I see habeas Irish rose. Ah. Hey, it's a crazy. Ah. Hey. Ah.
1: And this time they walk off the right side of the screen to separate it from what they did in Cobra. For variety's sake, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it is it is, it is Wire Duck Part 2, isn't it? But already, I think i was aware then just listening to it that I, w- I was missing more than i was with wire duck solely by listening to it um hmm. there was a, a a lot of um visual stuff in that one that that, that isn't in wire duck um particularly uh, when, when Chico is doing, when he's demonstrating the Sherlock Holmes method uh, in, that, in that painful step-by-step way where he's saying you know, something was stolen. Every time he reaches one of these uh, asinine conclusions, he, he steals a look at Groucho to see if Groucho is impressed, uh, whereas Groucho, Groucho has got his lips pursed in, in, a, in a look of absolute contempt. Um, which is extremely <laughs> funny um, and also that lovely moment where when he says um, uh, the painting uh, it disappear and Groucho goes disappear and Jacob says yeah it <laughs> uh, and Groucho puts all of his fingers uh, on the table and sort of scuttles across the table mm. um, yes
2: <laughs> it's so funny that Groucho who all threw animal crackers as you as you point out this is pretty late in the evening all night Groucho has been just babbling nonsense and being a total fraud but as soon as he sits down with Chico he becomes the embodiment of like bourgeois decorum you know <laughs> Uh, Chico's line: uh, No, but I've seen you someplace before.
1: No, I don't get that one. I don't understand. What, what is, 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 I kept thinking it's going to go into another thing like uh, with Chandler, where he mistaken for <laughs> It's
2: supposed to be like he's so he's no, you're so dumb. no, you're Abby the Fishman. <laughs> <laughs> like, not only is he not following anything groucho is saying he's not even completely sure who groucho is or why they're talking or where he is that's that's my interpretation Yeah, yeah,
3: where he's seen him before yeah
2: you were trying to catch him up with the last sentence but he hasn't been with you for paragraph after paragraph
1: so i guess while i love the scene you know there's there's so many great moments in it just it's placement so late in the film and it doesn't really go anywhere. It, it meanders a little bit. It goes off in different directions. It doesn't rate quite as highly for me. Maybe because, of, like I said, because of where it's placed, and it doesn't have the focus of the white duck that's setting up something that's coming up. You know, it's just sort of them just stopping the plot and sitting down and talking. So,
3: I, I agree, but I'm yeah. but I'm stupid. I like that. I I like all those things about it. I find it a little funnier and
2: more enjoyable out of context, actually, like just listening to it now or watching it to get ready for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more than when I watched the movie, Animal Crackers is so brilliant and so densely packed with exhaustingly brilliant material that by the time you get to this scene in Animal Crackers, it's a little, it's actually a little bit much. Uh, the home stretch of Animal Crackers, although it is easily my favorite movie, um, the 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 final stretch of it it does get just a little exhausting and this scene is part of that
3: mm-hmm. i think you're meant to be punished by them though that's my feeling is if you if you, <laughs> if you, if, if you don't come like out that. of a marx brothers film you know ringing wet and uh, you know and re- ready to punch <laughs> someone then it's not it's not a good marx brothers film that's my feeling <laughs>
2: That's good. That's a very good metric.
1: <laughs> there is a section of the scene where they sort of reverse roles where Chico is feeding Groucho lines and Groucho is doing punchlines and Chico is basically just working as a straight man. At least there for a little while.
3: And as often been noted before as well, the the one moment where Groucho abandons uh, his habitual uh, disdain for what Chico's doing, when when Chico suggests putting up that second house, he's suddenly consumed with enthusiasm and says, uh, yeah, what kind of a house do you think we ought to put up? And he's, he's suddenly, he's right behind him there, just for that moment. That's lovely.
1: And to be honest, I'm not really crazy about the ending where Groucho is just so exasperated that he just starts wildly moaning and gestating and, so forth, you know. At one point, he actually uh, almost clobbers Chico when he jumps across the table. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I guess this was perfected on stage in front of an audience, so that must have worked there. So I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He just sort of
2: hyperventilating a little bit, making that wheezing noise. Turns into Chandler. At one point, yeah, very much so, yes. (laughs) He uh, grabs himself by the ear and (laughs) drags himself onto the table at one point.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to monkey business, where, um, as we've talked about before, so many of the conventions of their act were thrown out, and they seem to be trying new stuff. Um, but luckily, they did realize that a groucho Chico scene was imperative. So about a third of the way through the film, the action basically stops, and they go at it.
0: How dare you invade the sanctity of the captain's that, quarters. I thought he was a captain. Hey, I'm hungry. I'm going to look for something to eat. I'll take care of that. <laughs> Hello? Send up the captain's lunch. Hey, two. Son up his dinner, too. Who am I? I'm the captain. You want to choose upsides? Oh, engineer. Will you tell me to stop the boat from rocking? I'm going to have lunch. Well, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with me? I'm hungry. I didn't eat in three days. Three days? We've only been on the boat two days. Well, I didn't eat yesterday. I didn't eat today. And I'm not going to eat tomorrow. That makes it three days. Well, state your business. I've got a ship of my timbers. I got no business. I come up to see the captain's bridge. Captain's bridge? I'm sorry. He always keeps it in a glass of water while he's eating. Would you uh, like to see where he sleeps? (laughs) I saw that. That's the bunk. You're just wasting your breath, and that's no great loss either. A fine sailor you are. Uh, You bet I'm a fine sailor. You know my whole family was a sailor's? My father was a partner with Columbus. Well, what do you think of that, huh? Your father and Columbus were partners? You bet. Columbus has been dead 400 years. Well, they told me it was my father. Well, now, just hop up there, little Johnny, and I'll show you a few things that you don't know about history. Now, look. Now, there's Columbus. That's Columbus' cycle. Would you mind getting up off that fly paper and giving the flies a chance? Oh, you're crazy. Flies can't read papers. Now, Columbus sailed from Spain to India looking for a shortcut. You mean strawberry shortcut. I don't know. When I woke up, there was the nurse taking care of me. What's the matter? Couldn't the nurse take care of herself? You bet she could, but I found it out too late. Well, enough of this. Let's get back to Columbus. I'd rather get back to the nurse. So would I. But Columbus was sailing along on his vessel. On his what? Not on his what, on his vessel. Don't you know what vessel is? Sure, I can vessel. You suppose I could buy back my introduction to you? Now one night, Columbus Sailor started a mutiny. No, no mutinies at night. They're in the afternoon. You know, mutinies Wednesdays and Saturdays. As my argument, restrict immigration.
1: It descends sort of abruptly as the captain. is, who comes in the captain, the first mate? Somebody comes in Gilligan? Somebody shows up. <laughs> <The> skipper. <laughs> That one is unique in the fact that there's absolutely no point to it whatsoever. There's nobody <laughs> is trying to accomplish anything or has any vested interest. They're basically they're shooting the shit for a minute and a half.
3: But what is interesting there, isn't it, yeah. is when you listen to it, as we've just done – um it could be just like the previous two they could just be sat at a table on either side of a table talking to each other but uh, when you watch it of course they're not doing that and and somebody has put effort into blocking it and choreographing it and Chico in particular is constantly on the move he's on the table he's off the table he's on the chair they're walking around so so visually it's got more energy than the other two although to listen to it you would you wouldn't know that it's interesting how the
2: teacher and student dynamic always reasserts itself. I, of, we know that that was a, a major conceit of their vaudeville act mm-hmm. and that it comes back in literally in horse feathers. Uh, but in all these scenes or certainly here and and in the Wyatt duck scene, you know, the premise is often Groucho conveying information to Chico in what for him is sort of a rare straightforward attempt to, mm-hmm. I don't know, do some good in the world <laughs> to mm-hmm. share some knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and um, you know, how adaptable that um, question-and-answer format of
3: education is to these two guys. Well,
1: they needed that here because there is really no plot for him to advance. They're just trying to survive.
3: There's no scheme of any sort, is there? Yeah.
2: Just their very presence in this room is already kind of mischievous. Mm-hmm. So Groucho figures, well, why not teach him a few things about history since we're here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, well, they told me it was my father.
1: I love that line because obviously the, the line should be "They told me it was Columbus," but they <laughs> but they flipped it and they told me it was my father.
3: I'm trying to remember what it is in the script. It's <laughs> yeah. something else entirely, isn't it? Um, yeah, in the um, in the, the script that I've seen, um, when Groucho says um, uh, Columbus has been dead 400 years, uh, Chico's line is "That's why they split up." So much much funnier, I think, is uh, the, they yeah. told me it was my father, which I think is an absolutely inspired edition. <laughs> which, yeah. which which you know could easily have been uh, Chico's own.
2: That's a line that it's sort of transcendent because it's unmistakably funny, but you're not
1: a hundred percent sure why. <laughs> yes. Let's see, In Monkey Business. His grandfather is still alive, but his father isn't, <laughs> right?
2: Uh, there's also the you know connection between chico and columbus which comes back in horse feathers and uh, maybe other times too i guess this is vaguely based story on story of mankind sort of, yeah. oh a story of mankind yeah of uh, like italian pride and columbus um although he i i suppose was from genoa yeah uh, but uh, but i guess that's what they're dealing with here chico has a real affinity for columbus and <laughs> um it's funny what do you think colombo do <laughs>
1: So why don't we move on to horse feathers, where we don't have a big, extensive Groucho Chico scene, but we do have something short and sweet and pretty much perfect. Uh, let's listen to that.
0: Who are you? I'm fine, thanks. Who are you? I'm fine, too, but you can't come in unless you give the password. Oh, no, what is the password? Oh, no, you got to tell me. Hey, I tell what I do. I give you three guesses. It's the name of a fish. Is it Mary? Ha, <laughs> ha. That's an old fish. She isn't. Well, she drinks like one. Let me see. Is it sturgeon? Hey, you are crazy. Sturgeon, he's a doctor who cuts you open when you're sick. Now, I give you one more chance. I got it. Haddock. That's a funny. I got a haddock, too. What do you take for a haddock? Well, now, sometimes I take aspirin, or sometimes I take a calomel. Say, I'd walk a mile for a calomel. You mean chocolate calomel. I like that, too. But, you know, guess it. Hey, what's the matter? You don't know, understand English? You can't come in here unless you say swordfish. Now, I'll give you one more guess. Swordfish. Swordfish. I think I got it. Is it swordfish? <laughs>
4: That's it. You guess it.
0: Pretty good, huh? Eh? Yeah, fine. You guess it. What do you want? I want to come in. What's the password? Oh, you're all fool of me. <laughs> swordfish. No, I got tired of that. I changed it. What's the password now? Yeah, I forgot it. I better come outside with you.
1: You know, this is the first of their scenes that is really cinematic in nature as they uh, cut back and forth from the different sides of the door. And uh, while I'm sure it would have been fine on stage, I think the way it's done here in the movie makes it really hum, makes it even better. Uh, Obviously, it's a lot shorter than the stage pieces they were doing in New York, but it's just perfect the way it is. So can't complain
3: it is perfect yeah and and until this exercise of of uh, watching them all it just hadn't struck me actually that that there was so little of that stuff in in horse feathers that that scene was so short and that that was was all we get of that stuff it had never really struck me i I guess
2: there's a little more groucho and chico stuff at the bar right when he's trying to pick up just a little uh, yes yes. just a little yeah just a tiny a drop yeah yeah Yeah, this scene i agree with your your word for it bob it is perfect it's a small dose, but it's a super concentrated dose. And um, it's also has a neatness to it. Mm. Um, duck and, and the, uh, you know, building a house next door conversation in Animal Crackers, they are brilliant and kind of overstuffed with funny lines mm. and moments. And then they sort of meander and dribble out at the end. Mm. Uh, but this has a this is more like a comedy routine in that it has a Beginning, middle, and an end. It has a great twist with Groucho changing the password. I love Chico's game laughter. Uh, ah, swordfish, you know, I know this. And by the same token, the way Groucho, before volunteering the password as swordfish, the way he thinks about it for a moment, and he says to himself under his breath, Swordfish, huh? Swordfish. <laughs> I think I've got it, swordfish.
1: And they both have a different motivation going into it because Chico's been instructed not to let anybody in. He has a reason to get in, but halfway through the scene, they're they basically abandon those because they're they're having too much fun.
2: Yeah, and also the sliding of that that window in the door, that very percussive um, sliding, um, punctuates the scene so beautifully, much as the uh, tearing of the contracts will in A Night at the mm-hmm. Opera. It just provides a kind of rhythm track.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go to Duck Soup now, uh, where, like all the Groucho Chico scenes in, in this middle period, it's when the characters are meeting for the first time.
0: not. Hey! You want to be a public nuisance? Sure, how much does the job pay? I've got a good mind to join a club and beat you over the head with it. Be not To you. Have you got a license? License? No, but my dog, he's got a millions of them. Believe me, he's some smart dog. You know, he went with Admiral Byrd to the pole. I'll bet the dog got of the pole first. You win. Come on up here. I want to scare the cabinet. Hello? Hello? No. No, he's not in. All right, I tell him. Goodbye. That was for you. I'm sorry I'm not in. I want to have a long talk with you. Now, listen here. You give up that silly peanuts, Dan, and I'll get you a soft government job. Now, let's see. How would you like a job in the mint? Mint? No, no. I don't like a mint. Uh, what other flavor you got? Hello? Hello? No, not yet. All right, I tell them. Goodbye, thank you. That was for you again. I wonder whatever became of me. I should have been back here a long time ago. Now, listen here. I've got a swell job for you, but first I'll have to ask you a couple of important questions. Now, what is it that has four pair of pants, Lives in Philadelphia, and it never rains, but it pours. That's a good one. I give you three guesses. Now, let me see. Has four pair of pants, lives in Philadelphia. Is it male or female? I don't think so. Is he dead? Who? I don't know. I give up. I give up, too. Now, I ask you another one. What is it? Got a big black mustache. Smokes a big black cigar, and he's a big pain in the neck. Now, don't tell me. Has a big black mustache, smokes a big black cigar, and there's a big pain on the... Does he wear glasses? That's right. You guess it quick. Just for that, you don't get the job I was going to give you. What job? Secretary of War. All right, I take it. So,
1: Next time you watch that scene, keep your eye on the dog. He... Oh, oh, yeah. He's got, he's got some major fleas, or he's licking his balls or something. I don't know. He's, he's, he's going at it. That's some itchy dog.
3: And we shouldn't forget as well, absent from that clip is the the, the glorious Kappa later on of the uh, the standing army. We save money on chairs, whereupon Groucho does another one of his uh, complete uh, <laughs> capitulations <laughs> to the madness and kicks him out of the room, which is the uh, the delayed <laughs> finale to that scene. <laughs> and, and a great one.
1: I don't have a lot to say on this one. I mean, you know, there's some good jokes. It advances the plot, but there's no focus or momentum. It's it's a transitional scene, and it, it's fun and it's it's enjoyable. But there's yeah. nothing remarkable about
3: it. It's it's full of good jokes. I mean, my my yeah. position. What I was going to say was was I was going to complain that it was too short, and that was before I realized that just how short that horse feathers clip was as well. Um, obviously, we have access to earlier scripts, and there are there are lots of lovely jokes that I that I wish were still there. Um, just three that I picked out show uh, saying, what do you call your dog when you want him? To which Chico replies, I don't want him, which is lovely. <laughs> um... <laughs> Also, uh, Groucho says, "I'll make you vice president of the country." Chico says, "Oh no, nothing doing. I had a brother who was a vice president once, and that's the last we ever heard of him." Groucho says, "Well, maybe he's still the vice president," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is which is superb. Uh, and also, I like uh, Chico saying, um, "I've got to have a job where I come to work at eleven, go to lunch at twelve, and quit at one. And twice a year, I've got to have a six month vacation." <laughs> <laughs> which is lovely um but yeah no it's it's a it's a great scene all all the jokes are great and and one one of my absolutely favorite um kind of uh cumulatively uh absurd ones where where uh groucho starts by asking an obviously stupid question about uh you know the, the listening for delphi never rains but it pours whereupon chico then says i'll give you three guesses groucho says is it male or female i no think so <laughs> is he dead who I don't know. <laughs> That's lovely.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Just since we're on the subject of duck soup, you know, we know that the screenplay uh, owes a lot to Flywheel, Shyster, and Flywheel uh, radio program, which was essentially nothing but Groucho and Chico scenes. So there was a tremendous amount of this kind of material being generated at the time. Mm. Um, it tends to turn up in.
3: Uh, sprinkled throughout. Some more good stuff in the trial as well, isn't there? Yes, right. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, so why don't we move on to uh, uh, another classic. Uh, We're going to move on to A Night at the Opera. Do we need to set this one up? Nah.
2: Uh, Harpo has just uh, knocked uh, Last Perry (laughs) unconscious. uh, Oh, yes. Revived him with smelling salts only to knock him unconscious again. And Chico approaches Groucho, and Groucho is casually resting his foot on the unconscious body of Rodolfo Lasper.
1: Okay, now everybody got that? Okay, and this is where we pick it up.
0: Get fresh with me, huh? How do you do? Hello. What's the matter, mister? Oh, we had an argument, and he pulled a knife on me, so I shot him. Do you mind if I... uh... No, no, go right ahead. Plenty of room. Two beers, bartender. I'll take two beers, too. Well, things seem to be getting better around the country. I don't know-how. I'm a stranger here myself. Say, uh, I just remembered. I came back here looking for somebody. You don't know who it is, do you? Here's a funny thing. It just slipped my mind. Oh, I know. I know. The greatest tenor in the world. That's what I'm after. Why, I'm his manager. Whose manager? The greatest tenor in the world. The fellow that sings at the opera here? Sure. What's his name? What are you, cats? I can't pronounce it. What do you want with him? Well, uh, I want to sign him up for the New York Opera Company. You know that America is waiting to hear him sing? Well, he can sing loud, but he can't sing that loud. Well, I think I can get America to meet him halfway. Could he sail tomorrow? You pay him enough money, he could sail yesterday. How much you pay him? Well, I don't know. Let's see, $1,000 a night. I'm entitled to a small profit. How about $10 a night? 10, (laughs) $10? I'll take it. All right, but remember, I get 10% for negotiating the deal. Yes, and I get 10% for being the manager. How much does that leave? Well, that leaves him, uh, eight dollars. Eight dollars, eh? Well, he sends a five dollars home to his mother. Well, at least three dollars. Three dollars. Can he live in New York on three dollars? Like a prince. Of course, he won't be able to eat, but he can live like a prince. However, out of that three dollars, you know, he'll have to pay an income tax. Oh, his income tax. Yes, you know, there's a federal tax and a state tax and a city tax and a street tax and a sewer tax. How much does this come to? Well, I figure if he doesn't sing too often, he can break even. All right, we take it. All right, fine. Now, uh, here are the contracts. You just put his name at the top and, uh, and you sign at the bottom. There's no need of you reading that because these are duplicates. Yes, yeah, there's a duplicate, Thanks. I say they're, they're duplicates. Oh, sure, it's a duplicate, Simon. Don't you know what duplicates are? Sure, there's five kids up in Canada. Well, I wouldn't know about that. I haven't been in Canada in years. Well, go ahead and read it. What does it say? Well, go on and read it. All right, after you read it, All right, I'll read it to you. Can you hear? I haven't heard anything yet. Did you say anything? Well, I haven't said anything worth hearing. Well, that's why I didn't hear anything. Well, that's why I didn't say anything. Can you read? My arms were a little longer, I could read it. You haven't got a baboon in your pocket, have you? Here, here, here we are. Now I've got it. Now pay particular attention to this first clause because it's most important. It says the, uh... The party of the first part should be known in this contract as the party of the first part. How do you like that? That's pretty neat, eh? No, it's no good. What's the matter with it? I don't know. Let's hear it again. It says the uh, the party of the first part should be known in this contract as the party of the first part. Yeah, that sounds a little better this time. Well, it grows on you. Would you like to hear it once more? Uh, just the first part. What do you mean? The, the party of the first part? No, the first part of the party of the first part. All right, it says the, uh, the first part of the party of the first part should be known in this contract as the first part of the party of the first part should be known in this contract. Look, why should we quarrel about a thing like this? We'll take it right out, huh? Eh? <laughs> it's a too long anyhow. Now what have we got left? Well, I got about a foot and a half. Now it says the, the party of the second part should be known in this contract as the party of the second part. Well, I don't know about that. Now what's the matter? I don't like The second party either. Well, you should have come to the first party. We didn't get home till around four in the morning. I was blind for three days. Hey, look. Why can't the first part of the second party be the second part of the first party? Then you've got something. Well, look. Uh, rather than go through all that again, what do you say? Fine. Now, uh, now I've got something here you're bound to like. You'd be crazy about it. No, I don't like it. You don't like what? Whatever it is, I don't like it. Well, don't let's break up an old friendship over a thing like that. Ready? Okay. Now, the next part I don't think you're going to like. Well, your word's good enough for me. Now then, is my word good enough for you? I should say not. Well, that takes out two more clauses. Now, the party of the eighth part... No, No. that's no good, no. The party of the ninth... No, that's no good, too. Hey, how is it my contract is skinnier than yours? Well, I don't know. You must have been out on the tail last night. But anyhow, we're all set now, aren't we? Oh, sure. Now, just uh, just you put your name right down there, and then the deal is, is uh, legal. Hey, I forgot to tell you. I can't write. No, oh, that's all right. There's no ink in the pen anyhow. But listen, it's a contract, isn't it? Oh, sure. We've got a contract, You'll no matter have... how small it is. Hey, wait, wait. What does this say here, this thing here? Oh, that? Oh, that's the usual clause. That's in every contract. That just says, uh... It says, uh... If any of the parties participating in this contract are shown not to be in their right mind, the entire agreement is automatically
1: nullified.
0: Well, I don't know. It's all right. That's in every contract. That's that's what they call a sanity clause.
1: (laughs) I think I'm going to stop it right there. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) I
3: second that. (laughs)
1: Okay. Okay. So anyhow, as they're ripping the contracts out, unlike you guys, I'm actually watching the scenes as they're playing through. Chico is purposely... Reaching down the contract to tear a little
4: more,
1: more off, yeah. Then, then uh-huh. just pulls a part off. Chico looks at him and goes a little further down. You can see yeah. his fingers inching down the contract. So it's no accident he ends up with a shorter contract.
3: This is right back, obviously, isn't it? To, to Wire Duck and the Left Handed moths. It's it's the third one of those, really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, the only the only difference, as we, as I said earlier, are those those very hokey pauses. The the worst one, I think, is when Chico says. Uh, those uh, kids up in Canada when uh, it then cuts yeah. to a to a close up of Groucho and another long pause yeah. and then the the nothing line. Um, I wouldn't know anything about that. I haven't been in Canada in years. So all you need really to uh, to cover the laugh is that line. Why uh, mm-hmm. why you have those those pauses in there? But apart from that, um, obviously it's it's great stuff, isn't it? Lovely that um, that that Groucho having uh, decided that he's going to keep all but ten dollars of a fee of a mm-hmm. thousand. Then, 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 asks for ten percent of that ten.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think this is a beautiful scene. I mean, I, I do agree with, um, uh, with you about the pacing, Matthew. And you know, anything, any, any um, excuse to uh, denigrate an MGM uh, <laughs> uh, un, under a Paramount, I would take. But as is so often the case with Night at the Opera, uh, the performances and the writing are just too good to be. Um, sneezed at. And um, this scene also has a kind of beauty to it as a, there's something sort of archetypal about it, isn't there for for the Marx brothers, for Groucho and Chico, the idea that they are, what the thing they are laying waste to in this case is an actual contract, which purports to be a binding agreement who that will affect the lives of these characters and the characters, you know, around them. Um, And yet in the face of this official document, Um, Groucho and Chico literally tear it to shreds. Um, and then it ends, I know the, uh, sanity clause pun, um, gets a variety of reactions, positive and negative, but, um, and I, I, I think I understand where all of that is coming from, but, but there is also something sort of defining about it, isn't it? It has, Adamson calls it a six semper fidelius of a pun, (laughs) a a six semper tyrannus of a pun. Um, yeah, the idea that the scene ends with, um, you know, this attack on an idea under which anybody who is any, is, is on anything but the straight and narrow and officious and proper and businesslike, um, can be, uh, outruled. You know, it's just, um, it's just kind of a perfect thing for the Marx brothers to be attacking.
1: Mm-hmm. It's very tough for them to have on such a great scene within the parameters of what thalberg and mgm were trying to do it's just a great accomplishment that they were able to do a scene that advanced the plot didn't demean either character and was still hilarious it's, it's it it looks so simple but as we see later on that that they weren't able to match this at mgm this is this was the peak of their accomplishment there
3: I mean, I think, as you say, the fact that it does advance the plot is is how they got away with that. I mean, imagine if the uh, if the left-handed moths was written excuse me was written for this you can you can you can see tholberg's uh ballpoint pen tearing through the script page can't you shorten this um so so yeah i think it is very very cleverly <laughs> done for that reason um my, my only regret i think about the scene is that it doesn't stay in long shot because i'd love to see them go through this very long routine with walter wolf king there the whole time on the floor with their feet on him <laughs> <laughs> his blood's trickling out of his ears. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and flies begin to surround the body. It is true that what connects it with the two scenes you compare it to, Matthew, uh, the duck scene and the left-handed moth scene, of course, is the authorship, mm-hmm. Kaufman and Riskind, who are undoubtedly a big part of the reason this is so good.
1: And obviously this was perfected on stage during the tour. We'd love to have seen what the, started with uh we don't have any earlier version of this do we
3: no not that i've seen i guess not the,
1: the script book uh i don't have that handy
2: uh we know there's an italian line that uh, was a cut, couple, couple, know, of them, uh, couple, couple of cuts, a couple of a couple of italian but- lines yeah there is one joke in this scene that I just don't like at all, which is you haven't got a baboon.
3: in no, your I Oh, I love that. Oh, I yeah. love that. Yeah, do you? Yeah,
2: just because a baboon has long arms.
3: Oh, yeah, he wants his he wants his own arms to be longer, so he thinks a solution to that would be to have something else with longer arms. Oh, yeah,
1: I felt that. I I, I use that line pretty regularly when I'm trying to read something without my glasses. Yeah. Oh, all right.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, we found
1: a we found a divide <laughs> among the panel. <laughs> But uh, since people are waiting for it, let, let's give them what they're asking for.
0: <laughs> you can't fool me. There ain't no sanity clause.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to what is perhaps the most uh, interesting of the of the scenes. And
2: Would you say it's the most fritzy? I don't other know. Scene?
1: It's probably the last one that could be considered a classic, uh, though it deviates from the formula in so many ways, but it's still undeniably great. But. Before we talk about it, let's take a listen.
0: $2 on Sunup. Hey, hey, boss. Boss, come here. You want us something hot? Not now. I just had lunch. Anyhow, I don't like hot ice cream. Hey, come here. I don't sell ice cream. That's a fake at the Fool of the Police. I sell it tips on the horses. I got us something that they can't lose. $1. Come no, here. some other time. I'm sorry. I'm betting on Sunup. Some other time, huh? Eh? $2 hey boss, on Sunup. Eh? Hey, come here. Sunup is the worst horse on the track. I notice he wins all the time. All right, just because he comes in first. Well, I don't want him any better than first. Two dollars on Sonoff. Hey, boss, come here. Come here. Suppose you bet on Sonoff. What are you going to get up for your money? Two to one. One dollar and you'll remember me all your life. That's the most nauseating proposition I ever had. Come on, come on. You look like a sport. Come on, boss. Don't be a grunger for one a buck. Thank you. What's this? That's the horse. How do you get in here? Get your ice cream. put footsie ice cream. Z-V-B-X-R-P-L. Get your t- I had that same horse when I had my eyes examined. Get your t- Hey, ice cream. What about this optical illusion you just slipped me? I don't understand it. Well, that's not the real name of the horse. That's the name of the horse in code. Look in your code book. What do you mean, code? Yeah, look in the code book. That'll tell you what horse you got. Well, I haven't got any code book. You know got a code book? You know where I can get one? Well, just by accident, I think I got a one right here. Here you are. Uh, how much is it? That's a free. Oh, thanks. <laughs> just a one dollar printing charge. Well, uh, give me one without printing, huh? I'm sick of printing. Oh, come on. You want to win? Yes, yeah, sure. Of course I want to win. Well, then you got to have it this. Want to win, but... I don't want the savings of a lifetime wiped out in the twinkling of an eye. Here. Thank you very much. Ice cream! Z-V-B-X-R-P-L, page 34. Hey, ice cream. I can't make head or tail out of this. That's all right. Look in the master code book. That'll tell you where to look. Master code? I haven't got any master code book. You know got a master code book? No. Do you you know where I can get one? Well, uh, just by accident, I think I got one right here. (laughs) There you are. A lot of quick accidents around here for a quiet neighborhood. Just a minute. uh, Is there a printing charge on this? No. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Just a $2 delivery charge. What do you mean, delivery charge? I'm standing right next to you. Well, for such a short distance, I make it a dollar. Couldn't I move over here and make it... uh, 50 cents? Yes, but I'd move over here and make it a dollar just the same. Say, uh, maybe I better open a charge account, huh? Eh? You got us some references? Well, the only one I know around here is you. That's no good. You'll have to pay cash. You know, a little while ago, I could have put $2 on, on setup and avoided all this. You know, no, no. throw your money away. Thank you very much. Now I'm all set, huh? Yes. Get your tootsie frutie ice cream. That's a cold, that's a cold. Playing. Get your ice cream. Tootsie frutie. Get your tootsie frutie. Z V B X R P L. Hmm. Get your. The letter Z stands for J unless the horse is a filly. Get your tootsie frutie. Hey, tootsie frutie, is the horse a filly? I don't know. Look in your breeder's guide. Get your ice cream, puts. Some... What do you mean, breeder's guide? I haven't got any breeder's guide. You haven't got a breeder's guide? Shh, not so loud. I don't want it to get around that I haven't got a breeder's guide. Even my best friends don't know I haven't got a breeder's guide. Well, boss, I feel pretty sorry for you walking around without a breeder's guide. Why, you're just throwing your money away buying those other books without a breeder's guide. Where can I get one as though I didn't know? One is no good. You're gonna have to have the whole set. Give Hey, you know, all I wanted was a horse, not a public library. What do you mean? How much is the set? One dollar. One dollar. Yeah, four for five. Well, all right. I'll, I'll give me the four. There's no use throwing away money, eh? All right. This is all I'm buying too. I didn't want so I thought you could do this quickly. Six dollars on sunup. Oh, ho ho ho. Gary tootsie read it good. Yeah, ice cream. Z-V-B-X-R-P-L is Burns. Yeah, that's right. Huh? Eh? Right. Burns? Yeah. 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 You, someday the code gives you the name of the jockey instead of the horse. Now you find out who Jockey Burns is riding, and that's the horse you bet on. That's easy. Gary ice cream tootsie pootsie. I'm getting the idea, but I didn't get it for yeah, a long time, true. you know. know. It's pretty tricky when you don't know it, isn't it, huh? It's not that book. Huh? It's not that book. It's not, it's not that book. Oh, I see. No, it's not that book. Huh? Not that book. No, no, it's not that book. Huh? No, you haven't got that book. You've got it, huh? I'll get it in a minute, though, won't I? Get it, I'm getting a fine tootsie fruotsie right here. Get your ice cream. How much is it? One dollar. It's the last book I'm buying. Sure, you don't need no more. Here. Here's a... Here's a $10 bill, and shoot the change, will you? They're going to the post, huh? Eh? I got to no know change. I'll have to give you nine more books. You don't uh-huh. mind, huh, boss? You take the nine more books. Nine more? Yeah. Say, you don't handle any bookcases well, there, do you're you? you're coming tomorrow, then. I didn't know that you needed so it's much. It's all right. Was it? I going to win I on the horses today. I thought just walk up and bet on a horse. Yeah. Open, open, eh? open. Yeah, Say, close. Say, are you shedding books down there? Close. Close. Eh? close. That's it. Nice. Good thing I brought my legs with me, eh? Yeah, yeah. Now, tell me, what horse have I got? Hurry how do I up, you? Here it is. Right I just heard the fellow blowing his horn. Here it is, here. jockey Bynes 152. at Sir Rosie. Rosie, Look, yeah. Oh, boy, look, 40 to 1. 40 to oh, one. 1. Oh, what a horse, the Rosie. Am oh. I going to give that bookie oh, a whipping? Oh, I was going to bet on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one. <laughs> look, i 40 to 1. That's I'll show them a thing or two. Hey there, big boy. $2 on Rosie, eh? Sorry, that race is over. Huh? say the race is over. Over? Who won? Son up. Son up! That's my boss! Son up! Son up! Hurry up! Son up! Oh. Uh-huh. Goodbye, boss! Goodbye! Son up! Son Thirty. Son up! Get a tootsie-fruotsie, a nice ice cream!
1: A nice tootsie-fruotsie ice cream! Is it over yet? <laughs> 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 so I just noticed something watching it through that time. Chico places his, his $6 bet before he comes into the big $10 uh, windfall at the end. So he, he could have made a lot more money. That's true. Yeah. So as we've discussed before, this is such a huge, huge departure from the traditional Groucho Chico scene. Uh, I don't know where to start. Um, it's very linear and we know exactly where it's going and we know exactly how it's going to end, uh, which in itself makes it very unmarks like it's. It's a great traditional comedy scene. But um, you know, with a little reworking, it could have been done by a whole bunch of different comics: uh, Evan and Costello, Martin and Lewis, Laverne and Shirley. Uh, <laughs> lots of people could have made it work.
2: It could have been done by Woodward and Bernstein. It's it's <laughs> scientific almost, like it's the the. Um, it it relies on craft rather than inspiration for its humor, mm. which is okay. I mean, this isn't a, a crime, but you know, it's like a tootsie fritzy ice cream. Well, that's not all that funny, but if we have him chant it repeatedly throughout the scene, mm. it'll create momentum and and build laughs. And you know, it's almost kind of cynical. There's also something about the way, um <laughs> like when when Chico is patronizing Groucho. Groucho is say, tossing off slightly lame remarks, like, it's a good thing I brought my legs with mm-hmm. me. And Chico laughs in a kind of patronizing way, uh, the way you do when you're trying to flatter somebody because you you want something from them. Um, and on one hand, it's a nice little acting moment from Chico. On the other hand, Groucho, it is kind of the beginning of Groucho being reduced to being sort of a fool.
4: Yeah,
1: he's yeah. really being taken advantage of here, and not really in a fun way, like we're Chico is outsmarting him or using anti-logic. It's basically just Groucho being weak. I think it would have been much more uh, satisfying had this been done to like Edgar Kennedy or Louis Soren.
2: I like the idea that Chico is the one person who can kind of get Groucho, get the better of Groucho, um, because Chico is seemingly not as smart as Groucho, but is much craftier and more wily. Um, but I think that is only pleasurable when Groucho has the kind of reactions that he does in in Animal Crackers and Coconuts and Night at the Opera. If Groucho's reaction is a kind of parody of being affronted, mm-hmm. um, then he's still in character and it, it's all good. But here, Groucho is really just ah poor guy. He's just trying to place a bet at the racetrack and he's being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I would I would liken it to um, the Dunkirk evacuation in the Second World War. Um, in that, um, <laughs> in that that was that was uh, officially deemed a successful failure. Insofar as although it was a strategic loss, you know they they got all the guys out w- without a massacre, and I think this is a very very good bad sketch i think it's so well played uh you know i think it's it's so it's just so nice to watch them uh, to watch them do it i i, I like that the, uh, the the containment of it i like the way it doesn't it doesn't um build in any way visually um but mm-hmm. but it is it is it is very meat and potatoes stuff um i think that the one line i think that that lifts it into authentic uh Mark's dumb is when um groucho asks for for nine dollars change and chico says he'll give him nine more books and that's deemed uh, mm-hmm. deemed an acceptable <laughs> <Yeah>. alternative <laughs> but apart from that yeah it's it's basic <laughs> but it, but it is funny you know it's right. funny
1: <laughs> but it's funny in that you know what's going to happen you know in the previous scenes you don't know where they were going or where the conversation was headed here we know and it's just well performed by a couple of great comedians
2: yeah it does contain the uh, memorable and sort of inexplicably deathless phrase, ZVBXRPL, <laughs> which which, um, as was established in the third episode of this podcast, um, that is Frank Ferrante's password for everything. <laughs> so if you want to get into any of his accounts, go ahead. Uh, he told us that. Um, and um, when Groucho says that's the most nauseating proposition I've ever had. Is this the closest he ever comes in the movies to uttering the apocryphal line? That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard.
3: Um, maybe so. I mean, yeah. that, he does. There are a few lines that he, he gives with that, with that intonation. Isn't it? Uh, Joe Adamson mentions it, um, that he's doing it a lot. I think in the big store, I think he's got two or three. Um, but, but in terms of,
2: Oh, and in a day at
3: the... I wouldn't mind framing her, a
2: prettier Never seen, yes, that's right, yeah.
3: But but in terms of the actual line, I, I guess that is about the closest, yeah.
2: And I think another oddity in this scene, which is, I think, the only example of its kind, is at the very end, Groucho kind of does his Chico Marx impression. Yes. When he takes up the mm. Tootsie fritzy chant. Uh, that doesn't happen no. at any other time mm. in the movies, no. does it? And he's not very good at it. Yeah, he does. He does a pretty lousy Chico impression. He's he's far more convincing as Doctor Glass in the next movie.
1: For a lot of people, this is their favorite Groucho Chico scene, and I don't mean to dismiss them. It is a great scene, and particularly the first time you see it, when you don't know what's going to happen, you know it's wonderful. But once you've seen it once, you know it loses a lot of its power.
2: That is a key difference, isn't it,
1: between this
2: and and some of the greater Groucho Chico scenes. Mm. That once you know what's coming here, it, it there's uh, something a little tedious about getting through it. Also, what about the substance of Chico's scam? I mean, apparently, all these books he has in his <laughs> cart actually do follow. I mean, you actually could get the name of the jockey riding Rosie <laughs> from referring to all these volumes. So it is apparently very elaborately set up in advance. I think
1: Chico just switched one letter in the code. And send, okay. <laughs> send them off in a different direction.
2: Uh, what about uh, Groucho's crushed fedora and and white uh, blazer in this scene? Uh, it, it seems like an MGM mandate, right? Well, you wouldn't wear a tailcoat to uh, the mm. racetrack. We have to put him in something else here. Uh, but he looks good. I like his his uh, yeah, up. Yeah, there. it's a nice look for him.
1: Yeah, because that's not what he's wearing at the sanitarium. And when he heard that music, da 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 he rushed out. He was in a hurry to get to the racetrack, but apparently he still had time to go back to his room and change.
2: Yeah, I think that's MGM. At Paramount, he goes to a football game in his tailcoat.
1: He played a football uh, game in his uh, tailcoat. Plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: But here, if he's going to the racetrack, he's got a dress. I'm just going. pleased
3: he hasn't got bare arms. So. <laughs> oh,
2: yes, indeed. <laughs> but, but the fact that he wears that crushed fedora is what allowed – our friend Jay Hopkins to impersonate Groucho so yes. easily without having to get a perm like I did.
1: <laughs> And why was Chico so worried about Harpo stealing his ice cream earlier? Was he was he worried he was gonna steal a book? Oh yeah. <laughs> so anyhow let's move on. Um, we get the <laughs> We got the room service and I couldn't find anything to I couldn't find the real Groucho Chico scene. I did find that about 30, 40 seconds where they're talking to each other.
0: How about a two-handed game of peanut while we're fasting? No, I'm just going to concentrate on the food. If there was only something left, we could hock. How about that moose head? Oh, no, you don't. I shot him with my own hands. I ate him up to the neck, but I refused to part with the rest of him. If I could get my watch out of hock, I'd hock it again. Uh, I'm so hungry, I see spots before my eyes. Me too. Mine are beginning to look like hamburgers. If you see one with onion, save it for
2: me. Yeah, I don't know if this really counts. <laughs> I mean, or or if it does, there must also be brief exchanges in yes, right. know, in the right. big yeah. store. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: and as I mentioned earlier in the week, it looks like uh, Chico has really
3: <laughs> given up on on Italy. Yeah. His <laughs> accent here, yeah, it's more,
1: it's very, very Brooklynish yeah. here. So we basically go from a day at the races where, despite them changing the format, uh, they still came up with a quality scene. Now we're at at the circus where they seem to try to do a bit more of an old school Groucho Chico scene, but pretty much fell miserably at almost every turn.
0: (laughs) I know you'll think I'm on a scavenger hunt, but I'm looking for Antonio Ferrelli. Mr. Loopole, I'm sure glad to see you. <laughs> well, Tony, you old warhorse. <laughs> I haven't seen you since I stopped taking Scott's emulsion. <laughs> you know I was afraid you wasn't going to get here in time. Oh, hey, yes. see, another minute and you missed the train. But now that you're here, everything's going to be all right. Hey, this is a big case. You're going to make a lots of money. <laughs> this is your lucky day, boss. I'll say it is. I don't know what the trouble is, but I'll straighten it out in no time. Well, <laughs> see <you> inside. <laughs> Would you mind holding that train still while I try to mount it? I'm sorry, boss. So nobody gets on the train unless they got it the badge. Badge? The badge, yeah. Oh, oh, badge. Oh, <laughs> you mean my Lone Ranger badge. Sorry, they took it back. I stopped eating the cereal. Now, let me see your badge. Well, I... I just haven't. You no got a the badge. Shh, quiet. The engineer may be eavesdropping. Well, the circus is certainly lucky to have you for a watchdog. You old badger, you. Hey, where you going? I'm going to the laundry and get ironed out. I'm rough dry now. Hey, hey, come here. I got an idea. You know my boss, Jeff Wilson? He owns the psychos. He might give you a badge. Say, that's fast thinking. <laughs> I'll see Mr. Wilson. He'll give me a badge and I'll get on the train. Fine. Now, where is Mr. Wilson? He's on the train. On the train? You know, it was awfully nice of you floating this case my way. <laughs> it's not you know, if you hadn't sent for me, I'd probably be home now in a nice warm bedroom, in a comfortable bed with a hot toddy. Huh? That's a drink. That's a too bad. You know, if it was up to me. I'd let you on the trainer like that. Oh! Yeah, but it's not up to me. No, but it's up to my ankles. Hey, tadpole, you better get out of the water. You're going to get wet. Oh, nonsense. If I was any drier, I'd drown. You better get out of the dampness, my friend. Friend? Sure you're my friend. My very best friend. <laughs> Hey Pudgy, where's your badge? Okay. Hey Celia, where's your badge? Okay. I know what do you think. Even the seal has got it a badge. And just to think because orders is orders, I can't let them, my best friend, on the train. All right, I take a chance. I don't care if I lose my job. I'm gonna give you a badge. I'm gonna give you my bag. But a promise, you no tell, you swear. They'll never get anything out of me unless they use a pump. Last chance, all aboard. Aren't you gonna wait for Noah? Right this way. Just a minute, brother. Have you got a badge? Of course. Naturally. Don't you know no one gets on the train unless he has a badge? (laughs) Hey, what are you, a wise guy? That's the last year's badge. Get him up.
3: What an idiot. Mm. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Giving him the badge and it's the wrong one.
1: (laughs) Grouch was smiling throughout this whole thing. I just want to punch him in the face.
2: (laughs) yeah I mean, you've got the Groucho performance issue that you have for this entire mm. film as well as the next film,
1: and I think that his performance issues are accentuated here is because they have to talk over this rain yeah you know, they have to shout pretty much everything
2: the rain makes it a very uncomfortable scene besides just being bad um you know Groucho sloshing around in the water mm. and the you know it seems uncomfortable um oh, there's that fedora again, though, I suppose. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it falls off right at the end, though, doesn't it? So we do get we get a good look at that wig just at the end, as a <laughs> to top it yes. off Like
1: You thought it was unfunny before.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have to admit, I do like the one gag about the hot toddy. That always makes me laugh. But but you know, it goes by so fast that it doesn't really have time to register. Uh, like Adamson says in his book, even when there is good material here, it's just cluttered.
2: Yeah, I mean, in the hands of a better of better writers, plural and, as as Adamson points out, Brecker um, being just one person was perhaps his biggest problem. Um, the great Marx Brothers material tends to be collaboratively mm. written um, but in the hands of better writers, um, I do think the idea of Chico giving Groucho his badge and then rejecting him because that badge is no longer valid. Uh, there's the germ of a good Marx Brothers idea mm. there, but it just the way it comes off is. Not and very but the funny.
1: fact that, that Chico's the one who actually called for him in the first place, you know, that, exactly. That, if yes. it wasn't for that, there might have. Yeah a little exactly, more exactly
3: yeah like, i was just going to say one way, right, the one yeah. way i think it could could have been improved is if you know chico can still recognize him he can still know who he is but the person that summoned him is what's her face you know step up and take a bow features uh the guy's girlfriend she's gone and got a detective he turns up out of the blue chico recognizes him but it isn't chico that summoned him there and then i think it would already be 10 times better um it's just so he's just Chico has just made such a moron that it it just doesn't work at all. And Chico really doesn't have any
1: funny lines in this. He's basically just saying, no, you know, you should have a badge. Okay, get Mm. a badge. No, no, you can't get on. You don't have a badge. You know, there's no miscommunication. There's no misunderstanding. There's just a lot of uh, changes in attitude for no apparent reason. I'm calling Groucho tadpole. (laughs)
3: Although you must like, you must love the line, aren't you going to wait for Noah?
2: Well, yeah, I, that line always does jump out at me. I always think, <laughs> oh, on one hand, I, I should be delighted by that—that's the voice of Groucho Marx uh, invoking my name—and uh, yet it's barely the voice of Groucho Marx <laughs> because of the way he's talking in this. Movie. But yeah, it does—it does jump out at me.
1: Compare this to the contract scene where they dangle illogic to create great. Funny lines uh, here. They seem to think that the lack of logic in itself is funny. Well, let me tell you, it it ain't. But yeah. as
2: you both point out, you can feel the effort here to make mm-hmm. a Groucho Chico scene. Like in room service, they weren't right. trying. But here, yes, it's that the attempt, the failed attempt is is far more painful uh, than the absence of such yeah. a scene
1: might it be. It feels like a junior high school class where they read a textbook about the Marxists and tried to write a Groucho Chico scene, and this is one that got a, a D plus.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is a sidebar if ever there was one, but now it's on my mind since Matthew mentions a uh, groucho uh saying aren't you gonna wait for noah i i assume in coconuts because of the character of bob adams that Mark's brothers say the name bob do they ever say matthew in any of the
3: films oh, yeah nobody does nobody <laughs> ever does nobody huh? ever mm-hmm. says the word matthew. it's one of those names that it's 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 probably the most common name that you never hear in anything wow well it's, that's really there, interesting there really aren't any. <laughs>
2: Uh, if I'll say she is gets yeah. back to the stage I'm going to put a Matthew in there for you
1: I'm sure Zeppo was in *A Night at the Opera, he would have been Matthew Driftwood <laughs>
3: <laughs> Okay, I'll settle for that <laughs> And to
1: digress for a moment Harpo also has a stupid smile on his face In the scene when he uh, comes and flashes his badges It doesn't look happy It doesn't look devilish It just looks like Buzzle trying to work his <laughs> Magic on Harpo as well
2: uh what's going on with that seal why that seal has a badge like attached to its
3: Uh,
2: (laughs) ass i mean of all the places you might put a badge on a seal i guess the idea is so that there can be this reveal Mm. where the seal kind of lifts up its hind regions and exposes the badge but i don't know i could be under a front if i were given a badge and told hey put this badge on that seal I would not ask the seal no. to turn. Now, how
1: many stunt seals do you think there were in Hollywood? Is this the same one from, from Horse Feathers?
3: <laughs> no, it's not. This one is called it's Slicker, not. and the one in Horse Feathers was called Lucille. These are the things you uh-huh. learn from my book. <laughs> oh, Lucille. That's ah. like a –
2: because it was a loose seal that
3: anticipates
2: uh, arrested <laughs> development by several decades.
3: But this one, Slicker, was in some other films as well, so you a –
2: Oh, and did he have a badge sticking <laughs> out of his you nine-dimension? Know, yeah. and- <laughs> it was in his contract of all his films. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in more than his contract.
1: So I don't know, maybe maybe you guys remember, but as I went through the next couple of films, Go West and uh, The Big Story, I really wasn't able to find anything to, that counts as a yeah. real Groucho Chico seed. And maybe if this, uh, what we saw in At the Circus, is representative of the best they could do, it's maybe just as well that they didn't even try. You know, I, everybody mm-hmm. knows I'm not a big fan of Go West, but I sort of do like the, the scene where they're with with the with the girls uh, getting getting a little drunk. I think that's one of the more amusing parts of the film for me, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really count as a Groucho Chica scene. That's just one that they're in together. But uh, are you surprised that they didn't go back to that for the next couple because it had become such an institution up to that point and they just abandoned it?
3: I guess Big Store probably would have had one, wouldn't they, if it wasn't for um... – groucho and harpo being being together in that unusual uh rule-breaking way
2: yeah and and in go west that opening scene um which tends to be a little overpraised i think just for being notably better than the rest mm-hmm. of the movie um but that scene you know it's a rare groucho harpo chico mm-hmm. scene sort of yes in maybe it's, well it's groucho,
3: it's Chico's. basically tootsie frutsy with harpo isn't it mm-hmm. yeah yes yeah. right
1: And so that leads us to A Night in Casablanca, which, while it doesn't have a full-scale Groucho Chico scene, does have a couple of short ones, which show that the magic is still there. Uh, Let's listen to both of them.
0: Anybody here for the Hotel Casablanca? Here, 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 boy, I'm going to the hotel. They'll never let you in. Anybody? Wait a minute, did they let you in? Sure. I'll put a stop to that, I'm the new manager. You're the new manager? That's a fine. Just come here with that uh, bag, The yeah. hotel sent me down to welcome you. Just give me my vitamins. Don't worry, you can trust me. I don't even trust me. <laughs> uh, you're going to like it, this job. You buy Nice, nice. cheap, cheap. Scram get okay. out of here. You got to be careful of those guys. They take you to the cleaners. What about you? I take you to the hotel. Just what is your racket? I got no racket. I make a my living with camels. What do you do with your camels? They're taxi cabs. I'm a president of the Yellow Camel Company. Aren't all the camels in Casablanca yellow? Hey, you crazy. We got to check a camel company, too. Hey, look. Must be expensive to operate. <laughs> Here you are. So this is your wife, eh? No, that's on my camel. You haven't got another stick of gum on you, have you? Come on, I get you to the hotel. You're in danger. Your life is hanging by a thread. It's all my pants. Yeah, but they're going to kill you. How do you know? It's all over the hotel. Everybody knows about you. I wish they'd tell me these things. I don't mind being killed, but I resent hearing it from a character whose head comes to a point. A point there? Eh? Look, boss. Maybe they want to surprise you. Well, I'd like to know how to dress. <laughs> you look fine. You're dressed to kill. But what you need is a good bodyguard. What I need is a good body. The one I've got isn't worth guarding. By the way, since when are you a bodyguard, I thought you were in the camel business. Oh, in the daytime, I'm in the camel business. Mm. At night, I'm a bodyguard. I see. What suppose I get killed in the daytime? Well, then I give you a free ride on my camel. Look, boss, I could keep you alive for 50 francs a week. It isn't worth it. Well, you can not take it with you. Well, I'm not going to leave it laying around here. But, uh, boss, if I'm your bodyguard, I'll watch you like a mother watches a baby. Is the mother pretty? What's the difference? Well, there's a lot of difference, but the mother's pretty. I'll watch the mother, and you can watch the baby. <laughs>
1: So there's some good moments there, but it's basically just uh, Chico sitting groucho up for some for some decent lines. There's not a whole lot of interaction there, but it it's better than
3: uh It's like the film, isn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah. It's yes. it's a bit better. It's a bit like a really good
2: one. And like Night in Casablanca in general, it's its success has to do with giving you a kind of quick fix of what feels like uh, vintage mm. Marx Brothers stuff, mm. but not lingering long enough to show you that they're not quite there anymore. Um, mm. When Whenever Night in Casablanca stays in one place too long, like Harpo's duel scene, it, it mm. does start to get tedious and uncharacteristic and draggy. But these quick hits, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, they've still mm. got it. And uh, yeah. all these moments feel like that to me.
1: And as Matthew has mentioned before, uh, I think Chico really is the hardest brother to write for, and it seems yeah. like this are a perfect example.
3: He, he's the hardest one to write well for. Yeah, unfortunately, he's very, very easy to write badly. But this isn't bad by any means. It's it's good.
1: Right, but just to get that fine line between where is he coming from and getting the best of Groucho without demeaning Groucho or making himself look foolish, it's it's, it's very tough. And like they made it look so easy in the earlier films, but then. Later on, we could see you now it it wasn't so easy.
3: I think, like the rest of the film, there's it, there's there's there are no, there are no surprises in *A Night in Casablanca*. Nothing is nothing is new. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, even the best stuff is very familiar. Uh, but obviously, when you look at where it comes in their career, mm-hmm. that's 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 more than uh, what one might have hoped for.
2: Yeah, it has a very mm-hmm. pleasant energy to it. Um, not the kind of forced manic energy of of. At the circus and go west, nor does it have this kind of dreary, obligatory lack of energy, like you might say that about room service, maybe some other later moments. um You know, Night in Casablanca is very good natured and they seem to be enjoying themselves.
1: So that leaves the only the classic scene in Love Happy, which Matthew is going to set up for us now. <laughs> You've got me. Come on. <laughs> Chico's in Groucho's office. He's playing cards with a dog. Go
3: on, play it. Remind me. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the dog. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that
2: is a good one. It's not in the American print, so I've never seen it. <laughs>
1: uh. That's about it for their for their film career. We did get this uh, little moment on the uh, Inside Beverly Hills uh, TV special. Oh, yes.
0: Hey, you look like a fellow used to be my brother I don't
1: think I got your name No,
0: I got my name I think you're pulling my leg Yeah, just to get him even Well, would you mind helping me push this camera store around? (laughs) I'm sorry, I gotta go to the golf course and lay down in the sand trap Sand trap? Yeah, you see, it's a Sunday and that's when I see my psychiatrist (laughs) I'm sure I used to know him If I'm not mistaken, we both had the same mother
1: and that about does it um, it's a shame that there's so little of them together after the mid-30s you know, for something that was as much a mainstay of the act as the piano and harp solos they pretty much abandoned it and never felt compelled to really give it another go it would have been great to at least hear them you know, revisit some of the old classic routines on the radio in the 40s and maybe early TV but I guess it was not to be
2: It does seem like, although nobody would ever argue or should argue that the Marx Brothers would have been in any way better without Harpo, uh, nevertheless, Groucho and Chico would have been a pretty viable two-man act by themselves, as they demonstrated in radio. And I think in the early days of my interest in the Marx Brothers, this is what really got me, uh, the Groucho-Chico stuff, um, because... uh, like the precocious child i was this stuff is intensely verbal relies on puns and wordplay a lot this is kind of what hooked me uh into the marx brothers groucho and Chico's interplay
3: yeah i completely agree i was going to say it right at the start of the show and, and forgot that um again you know obviously i i love harpo and and virtually everything he does but if i had to pick one element of the films that i like more than anything else it's these scenes it's these uh um Gracio Chico scenes, particularly the Kaufman Riskin' ones. Well, we
1: promised we'd give you our ranking, so I Matthew, mean, why don't we start with you? Why don't you tell us which ones are your favourites, or do you want to rank them all?
3: Um well, I don't know if I can rank them all, but yeah, my my favorites are the I think are the Kaufman and Riskin' ones, and my, my favorite of all is the um the left-handed moths. Um I think that's uh that's superb. Um but why a duck and the contract scene are, are not far behind of the others i think um although there's great there's lovely jokes in monkey business and duck soup i think the the swordfish uh, scene in horse feathers is is uh, so as you say so perfect and such a such a neat and tidy little little thing that you can almost take it out like a like a tiny little film in its own right so um I think I'm go- I'm gonna go with left-handed moths uh wire duck and swordfish no uh, well my my uh,
2: feelings about these scenes are similar to Matthews I would rank in the number one spot uh, the stuff at the near the beginning of animal crackers uh, Groucho and chico's um, introduction to each other and rates for not playing and rehearsing uh, that might be my f- uh, among my very favorite exchanges in the whole Marx Brothers canon. Um, and then in the number two spot, I would say, why a duck? Number three, the contract scene in A Night at the Opera. Number four, the horse feathers um, password scene for the same reasons that Matthew cites and that we've all discussed earlier. Uh, number five, I would put now the left-handed moth's piece from Animal Crackers. Um, then duck soup, then monkey business. and from there, it um, it gets pretty bleak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do think At the Circus is, is far worse than the Tootsie Fritzy scene.
1: Well, you've pretty much pilfered what I was going to say, Noah. So expect to hear from my lawyer in the morning. Uh, Jamison, take a letter. <laughs> my pleasure, Bob. Anytime. So that about does it for this episode of the Marx Brothers Console Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back uh, next month with another stellar episode, or at least we'll say it is in the meantime, uh, <laughs> thanks guys for taking part and um please please everybody just go online and give us good reviews and spread yes. the word and uh follow us on Twitter, join the Facebook group if Matthew will let you in.
2: Go to Marks Brothers Council Podcast.com.
1: Oh yes, the one that, that costs us a pretty <laughs> penny to uh, to pin that one down. So <laughs> please make it worth our while.
2: <laughs> hey, also you know the holidays are coming up for all yeah. the people close to you, everyone you love. The best gift you can give them is to recommend the Marx Brothers Council podcast. You don't have to buy them anything. You don't have to do anything for them. Just tell them to listen to our podcast.
1: Noah, the high holidays already passed. We're too late.
2: <laughs> Every holiday is high for me, Bob. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, Noah, why don't you introduce our, our our closing song? It's 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 a classic.
2: <laughs> and here it is: a cup of coffee, a sandwich, and Bob.